0: Welcome back to another episode of No Funk and Strictly Munkin'. The only podcast where if we were Miley Cyrus around 2013, we would say, And we can't funk. And we won't funk. I'm your co-host, Jake Christie, joined us always by Andre Breyer. Andre, how are you?
1: You know, um I'm doing good. I feel a lot better now that I'm monkin' around.
0: You know, I, I you got and I I gotta try we're done home stretch. I only need to do like fourteen more of those. <laughs> um
1: Oh, that's wait. Oh, yeah, still fourteen. That's
0: yeah, yeah, um. So yeah, that's. Uh, I'm excited to finally get done. Cause you would think I'd plan ahead, but I really don't think of them until I send you the invite to the Zoom. I have don't think about it. Um. So.
1: Yeah, it's super weird because like, um, I, I'm, I'm doing like we're reaching the end of Monk, but I'm also me and my wife we're also watching uh, the Americans, and we're on the mm. last season. We have four episodes, so it's like. Mm.
0: The next year after this, like we don't even know what we're gonna do anymore. It's crazy. I mean, it's really yeah. It's it's, it's, it's honestly crazy when a show ends. It feels like your whole world's turned upside down. But anyway, we're not here to talk about uh, how shows are ending and stuff like that. We're here to talk about Mister Monk and the Foreign Man, an episode with a title that just feels like very uh, reductive. But um, yeah. uh, I don't know. I thought it was a fine episode. There's stuff I. Li- it's an ve- uneven episode. There's stuff I like in it and there's stuff I don't like in it.
1: Uh, I actually really liked it. Um, it made me very emotional. Yes,
0: I think the emotional beats are very, very good, and that's why I gave it a high rating. I think there's just some stuff, um, specifically the bits where they're in the kitchen and stuff, or like the laundry bits. I'm like, I don't need, this is just too much. Uh,
1: that, yeah, that's sure, but it's like, it, it's that, and then actually a pretty clever murder, too. Um, yes, haven't I haven't had agree. one of those in a while.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we start off, you know, with, we meet, unfortunately, our victim, a woman named Ansara, who is a uh, woman in uh, African garb, who we learn is Nigerian. If the guy behind the counter, I guess, met for, is she from Madagascar? Like, yeah, Madagascar, a country of, like, 300,000 people. And no, I expect 3 million people. Yeah, that's where she's from, idiot. Um, yeah,
1: that wouldn't be the first thing you guess. But, I mean, even then, we should just know better at this point in our lives. Do not guess someone's ethnicity.
0: No, it's stupid. Yeah, exactly. I mean, unless, like, you're, like, an expert in... You know, if, if you are like an expert in African garb and you're like, oh, that looks like it's from the this and this tribe, then okay, go ahead. But other than that. Um,
1: yeah.
0: But anyway, uh, she, as she's checking out at this grocery store, we see a van speeding around a bunch of corners. So we know. You, you know what's going to happen, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's driving like an asshole. And intercut with all this, you know, as you mentioned, uh, she's talking to the clerk. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely. Starts off as small talk, and then cre- and very slowly or very quickly turns into just him just laying it on real thick and, mm-hmm. like, basically, like, coming on to her, which...
0: Yeah, she mentions that she's only in San Francisco for two weeks, and she's going back to marry um, the love of her life or whatever, right? Uh, was that
1: what it was? I thought that no, she was so, already married.
0: No, sorry, yeah, go back to her husband, right? I yeah. admit, I re- read my notes wrong, but yeah, going back to her husband, and she, he says... You know, marriage means different people to some people, and it's like, dude, are you really trying to, like, this woman is in America for two weeks, and you're really trying to be a homewrecker? What the hell's wrong with you?
1: Um, you know, he's, uh, he's trying to, I mean, I have to say it. I know, I, it's in my notes, it's in my notes. (laughs) He's trying to cuck our our friend that we'll meet later on, um, Mm. which, good luck. Yeah. If he, if he catches you.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Frickin' kill a crock on your ass. Um. Uh Uh-huh. So, uh, she, as she leaves the store, she goes to a payphone and leaves a message for Samuel, her husband, um, telling him that she loves him. And, um, and she then just goes across the street and, um, I don't know, she gets flying like a pancake. I don't know what else to tell you.
1: <laughs> yeah, she gets Final Destination to, um, 1. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's very sad because she seemed like a very nice woman uh, mm-hmm. from the little that we did know her. And mm-hmm. um, obviously, it was the asshole dude that we saw driving like a clown. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, she's uh, she appears to be dead.
0: Mm-hmm. And then we see um, Monk at home with Natalie. They're reading a magazine together. But obviously, Monk reads a lot faster than Natalie, so there's some tension there. Um, but this argument get, ends up def- getting diffused because Monk says, if you want to read it, you buy your own copy. And she points out that that is her copy. So then she gets it. But then... Monk smells something.
1: Yeah, he uh, he. At first, he says that he smells bacon. Um, I you know I guess I guess there might be a kind of incense that smells like bacon because it's it's not bacon actually. No, like I I do love that. No, I do love that.
0: I do love that. He says, "Are you cooking bacon?" <laughs> she says, "Doesn't look like I'm cooking bacon." Um, but no, right. you're right. It's incense across the street and. Monk's first thought when he sees that it's incense, what kind of person does he think it is?
1: He thinks it's a hippie uh, you know, <laughs> his, his favorite kind of person in the world um, monk and a hippies. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait until uh, season finale where he decides he wants to move to Hate Ashbury and uh, you know just uh, live a moment. No,
0: the, the the series finale where he, despite evidence pointing to someone else, decides that he's gonna go. He g- g- has a death wish moment where he decides that the hippies were the ones that killed Trudy. And he has to eliminate them all.
1: I mean, I'm surprised he hasn't already come to that conclusion yet, but
0: mm-hmm. um, I mean, maybe we'll get there. Yeah, and so he yells out across the street to who we learn is Samuel, played by the, the wonderful Adewale Akinoye Agbaje. Um, let me try that again. Akawale, I'm, glad, I, I'm glad you fucking said it. I, I looked up how to say it. I, my instinct was mostly crickets. Adewale Akanoe Agbaje. Um, and uh, he's, uh, I believe he is a, I believe he's born in England, but um, he is, right. I think of like Benin descent. No, that's Xiamen uh, Hansu. He is of... Uh, I think he's de- Nigerian. He's of Nigerian descent. Um, yep, of he, of Yoruba, which is an ethnic group in Nigeria. All right, yeah. So, um, great guy, big fan. Um, he's and uh, Monkey yells at him, "You can't sell that stuff!" And he says, "I'm not selling it." And Monk says, "Of course, nobody wants to buy that junk." And then, did you did you catch the three things that Monk says to him before he closes the window?
1: Um, no, I did not. I'm sorry.
0: Peace, love, and Woodstock. <laughs>
1: all right yeah yeah um yeah i don't know why i I heard the woodstock part and he's like genuinely perplexed by Mm. whatever woodstock is
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and so monk's saying that you know maybe they should call the cops but it turns out that the cops did just call them because they have a job which is good uh and so they go to a into a mansion and apparently it smells really really bad and this time it's not incense
1: yeah, it's not incense, it's a dead body, and uh, not only is it a dead body, but, you know, it's it's a dead body that's been there for about 12 days, which is just, honestly, mm-hmm. from the condition of, like, when you see the body, it mm-hmm. seems like it wasn't that bad.
0: Yeah, no, they, honestly, I, they probably can't do it on a TV-14, but there's gotta be some maggots and some other stuff going on there, you know what I mean, some bloat. Um, right. This body looks too good uh, for it to be 12 days. Not that I want to see that, but it is just, you know... Uh, but it was yeah. a woman named Maria Fuentes, who was a maid, who was the owner of the house. They were The owners were apparently away on vacation in Barbados.
1: Yes. A 37-year-old maid. Um, and the owners of the house are John and Carolyn Buxton. And like mm. you said, uh, they just got back from Barbados. And mm. while this is all going on, they're outside. Um, the, sorry, the couple that owned the house. While this is going on, um, obviously the smell in there would be fucking insane. And a Disher, you know, real tough guy, acting like it doesn't bother him. Um, at first, I actually thought it wasn't bothering him, but of course, it's because he's trying to impress the CSI tech.
0: Yes. Um, and uh, just great Disher stuff, you know. You, whenever, you get, whenever you can get some good Disher stuff. Um, but also, we learn an important detail is that apparently Buxton left his cell phone before they left to go on vacation, which is an absolutely insane thing to do if you're on a vacation for multiple weeks (laughs) to leave your cell phone behind. um, Yeah,
1: I just don't buy that, but yeah, alright. No.
0: Um, And there was no robbery, nothing was taken, and they suspect that it was Maria's ex-boyfriend who, excuse me, just did some time.
1: Yes. Yeah, he just did some time, and, um, but... The thing is that, like, well, first of all, they established a few things, um, and this, so the one thing is that it's not a crime,
0: look. no, I was just, I was counting off, I, guys, I oh, held okay. my finger up, and he thought that I was stopping him, but I was going to count off the things he was saying.
1: <laughs> okay, so, so yeah, yeah, so they, they decide real quickly that it's, it's, did not, wait, you already said it, I'm sorry, I, I'm. It's not a robbery, and it wasn't a crime of passion. Full, full disclosure, I am, uh, I'm drafting at the moment, so. Oh my god. Yeah, I know, it's tough. You, how many uh, leads are lead. you in?
0: You fucking regular wait, Jules Verne in Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea.
1: Ooh, that's a good name. Um, no, it's not though. Uh, I'm in like ten or something. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, but like five of them are like you know week to week ones, and the other ones are like dynasty. Okay.
0: Anyway, anyway, so it's not a Crime of Passion because she only got hit twice, and then they notice that she has an earring in her pocket. We gotta. <laughs> I didn't help yeah, so this. I'm willing to do heavy lifting if need be. Um, correct. correct.
1: But they, but they also notice one thing there, and that there is a uh, first aid book that's cracked open. Um, mm-hmm. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Given Her the skull. page that it's on, yeah, yeah exactly. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's open to I believe a page uh, based on blunt force trauma. Yeah, on head trauma. On head trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting about the interesting thing about it is that judging from there being no dust underneath, no blood, blood, no blood, no blood or anything. Um, The book had to have been opened when she got her head cracked open. Yes. So that's very,
0: I think in terms of like a mystery setup, and Monk used to have a bunch of really great ones of these. The mystery setup of someone is on the ground with a blunt force head trauma wound to the head dead. But before they died and before they got hit, they opened a first aid book to a page on blunt force trauma. What explains that? I think that that's a really good conceit of, like, uh, how do you explain that? You know what I mean? Because, obviously, if it was the other way around, it would be like, oh, yes, they tried to fix the wound or someone tried to help them. But, no, why would they already have the book open to a page on Blunt Force Trauma? Good stuff.
1: I mean, my guess would have been uh, she's, uh, you know, she's taking night classes. She's starting to be a nurse, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, Who knows? Maybe Mm -hmm. that could be it.
0: Yeah. Um, And so we then see Randy. is talking to CSI Tech, and he's turning green. Um, she points out, and he says, yeah, I'm green with hunger. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and, uh, she's like, what does that mean? And he says that it's a very common phrase, mm. which, uh, no, it's not, but it's not. nice try, Randy.
0: Yeah, um, and so he then goes outside and can breathe finally again. Uh, and then we cut back to Monk trying to sleep, um, and he hears some... It's not a flute, but I wrote down flute music, um... hmm
1: Because it's, it's not... Yeah. Th-
0: it's some type of woodwind instrument that's shaped like a clarinet, um, but it's obviously not a clarinet because it's not a reeded instrument. Um,
1: oh, yeah, because you play it from the top, right?
0: Yeah, but it's not reeded. Okay. So, um, right. If anyone knows what that instrument's called, please let us know. I'm actually genuinely curious. But Monk gets yeah. up. He says, for the love of crackers, which I'll be honest the crackers are good. Um, now that I can't eat most of them anymore, I have to say I do love crackers. Um, mm mm-hmm specifically animal crackers, would you ever think about how animal crackers are a specific taste of cracker? Like, it's not... Animal crackers aren't just crackers in the shape of an animal. Like, they taste different than regular crackers. Why is that, anyway? They're
1: uh, just like cookies.
0: Yeah, but you have you ever had a cookie that tastes like that that's not the shape of animal cracker? Uh,
1: maybe, probably. I think there's like Maybe, but
0: I guess the thing is, like, well, who decided that, the, that animal crackers have to taste different than crackers? I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, I think it's a funny thing. Um, okay. Okay. And that's my uh, observational stand-up that would be absolutely killed in 1985. No one would know what I was doing. It's like, this guy's telling jokes, or he's just observing things that are weird in the world? Wow. Um, and so, yes. Monk goes outside in his bathrobe to, uh, to go talk to Samuel. He says, it's 7.45. People are trying to sleep. Cut out the jam session.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I, at first I wanted to say, like, of course no one's trying to go to sleep at 7.45. But, you know what? Some people are trying to go to sleep at 7.45. Um. Yeah,
0: if you work at, you know, if you work in the, like, I think at all times it's probably, I mean, it's hard to say because I live in New York, but luckily I live on a very quiet street, so, but I have in the past lived on busy streets, and obviously, like, there are certain hours where it's, um where you have to just expect that there are going to be people making noise. But generally speaking, I feel like anything, even though I personally don't go to bed until ungodly hours, I know after like 8.30, 9 o'clock, you are you probably shouldn't be making that much noise.
1: Yeah, I say 9 o'clock is my cutoff for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. Um, and so Monk then offers to give him $5 to leave. And Sammy says, I cannot leave. My wife was killed here two weeks ago. This is sacred ground. And obviously, of all the things you can say to Adrian Monk, that that means the most.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, at, at this, he immediately like changes like his uh, his physical demeanor, um, his emotional demeanor. He's like very like uh, sympathetic to him, mm-hmm. and um, even more than that, because like cause that, could, that could just happen outside mm-hmm. and it's whatever. But he does take it upon himself to invite him into his house, mm-hmm. and uh, he offers him some juice. Uh, no, no, here. no, he doesn't.
0: He doesn't offer him some juice. He first says, "I have juice," and then Samuel says, "I'm very happy for you." <laughs>
1: Oh right, 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 right,
0: right. No, but then um, he says he then he offers him the juice. Sorry, I was just wanted to point that joke out.
1: Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, and he's unclear. It's unclear on uh, what kind of juice this is. Uh, thinking grape juice. It's a little dark.
0: I, no, it looked like honestly, like pomegranate juice almost. Maybe cranberry juice. Uh, you
1: know, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Yeah, you know, maybe. Uh, uh, what's what's the joke from The Departed about cranberry juice anyway? Um.
1: Uh, my. By, uh, my girlfriend drinks cranberry juice when she's on a period. Yeah, that's you what I thought. on a period? Yeah, I period. thought
0: that's not what it was, but that's a joke. If you don't remember it correctly, then I'm just saying something offensive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Bonk, um, you know, asks about uh, his wife, um, and we learned that Ansara was her name, and which means sunflower, um, and she apparently was in San Francisco for a two-week teaching conference because she's a teacher back in Nigeria. And the van drove through a red light, and uh, it hit her. Apparently, Monk was out of town at the time, which they don't expand on. Um,
1: Right, I was curious about that, too. Yeah. Uh,
0: And, but Samuel's been doing his own investigation, and he found tire tracks that led him to believe that it's a van because he is a mechanic back home.
1: Yeah, um, how fortuitous. Um, Yeah, so so he correctly deduced that it was a van, um, he's got a little bit of evidence he has like some uh, some headlamp shards um, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah he, he also he, he gave this a, he basically told the police about all this and they said that they would do the best they can but it's clear that um, it's just not gonna they're, they're not gonna put it we'll, we'll see later exactly why mm-hmm. they don't think they're not very optimistic about about it but yeah mm-hmm. essentially they they're not positive that they're gonna be able to solve this one
0: mm-hmm. yeah and so he also has flyers Um Avert, like, basically asking for information. He's offering 12,000 Naira, um, mm-hmm. which he says is $85 in U.S. currency, which I just looked it up. Um, either they messed up that, or, uh, the Naira has collapsed because it's now 29.15 20, f- in U.S. currency. Um, so, I think the moral That's of the story... probably what happened. Yeah, the moral of the story is, uh, you know, uh, the U.S. currency is pretty stable. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. and... Then he, he does a thing, which, you know, all great men are known to do. People used to do it all the time. It was no big deal. He lights up a cigarette. Right.
1: Yeah, he lights up a stogue in there, and, uh, you know... He does not light up a stogue.
0: That's just a different... That, that's not a same thing. <laughs>
1: okay, fine. Whatever. Uh, tobacco stogue. Anyway... No! A uh, I, 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 cigar is
0: also tobacco. <laughs> a stogie uh, is a cigar. <laughs> oh, is
1: that what it is?
0: Yeah, I'm almost positive. I'll double check that, but, yeah. I'm I pretty thought it sure
1: anything you could smoke.
0: Yes, the Stogie is a long, thin, inexpensive cigar.
1: Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, he uh, he lights one up, a cigarette, and mm-hmm. to Monk's credit, he doesn't like immediately throw him out right. or start yelling or anything. He just like uh, he's pretty, he's a nice guy about it, mm-hmm. and he has a solution, a very mm-hmm. interesting solution. Let's say, mm-hmm. what would that be?
0: He gets a garbage bag and he tells uh, Samuel to breathe his smoke into it. And apparently, he calls it the smoking bag. Um, yeah. Yeah. So basically, the th- one of the th- comments of this episode is that Samuel is learning what he thinks are American customs, but are really just monk's, uh, you know, habits.
1: Yes, correct. Um, and it, it's it's very charming at the same mm-hmm. time. Like I feel like it could play a different way if mm-hmm. um, if this was a different show. It would probably just be like somebody calling someone ignorant or something, but, uh, you know, Monk has the decorum in this case. It's...
0: I think it's also because Monk isn't... um, You don't get the impression that Monk is talking down to him. He's just clearly... Like, Monk thinks that these are the ways that everything should be done, so he doesn't find it wrong that he's telling... Because even though Monk knows that not everyone does everything the way he does it, he... Is doing it. He thinks he's being kind by teaching him to do the things the way he does it. You know what I mean? That he thinks that by like when do the do the laundry, like he thinks he's being nice to him by teaching him to do it separately. Right. Um, right. And also like they don't they don't portray Samuel like an idiot too. I think is the big thing. Like that's obviously the danger whenever yeah. you have anything like this, because um, it's that the, the, right the 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 the. There's a very thin line between portraying someone as a fish out of water and portraying someone as stupid, and I think a lot of times sh- when shows miss the mark, they portray someone as stupid. I think that the- I think for a lot of it, I think just casting an actor uh, like Adewale Akinnuoye-Agbaje Ab- Ab- just really helps because he just he, do- he doesn't read as stupid. You know, you can't ma- he just re- reads with so much integrity. Um, but yeah, you definitely f- you don't feel sorry. I mean, you feel sorry for him that his wife died, but you don't feel sorry for him that he is you know, monks teaching him all these wrong lessons, you know?
1: Well, like, okay, so you take, it like, and I hate to, like, go to other episodes because we have a lot sure. more to cover, but basically, no, no. Um, it, it's very interesting because then you have, like, the episode from a couple of weeks ago where that girl who works for, like, the mayor's o- or the, the lady's office, the one that's, like, that monk keeps calling her a moron, an adult, Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: yeah, the pregnant woman.
1: Yeah, and it's like, okay, well, this is, like, a nice, uh, nice contrast to that whole situation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, Samuel's about to leave, but Mung tells him not to go, and he basically says, you know, I'm a police detective, I want to help you, I'm gonna find the man who killed your wife. And Samuel's like, why would you do that? And I really like that they do this completely wordlessly, that he just pulls out his scrapbook with all the Trudy stuff, they look through it, and they just... And this is so cheesy, but I think it's really effective. Honestly, got me. Got it's me. really got me. effective. Where they just play, they yeah. play them, they play the music like a combination of the sad music, but also like the Trudy notes. The they play right. that, and then they both grab each other on the shoulder, and it's like there's just it's strange. I, I think one of the things that Monk really is good at hitting on is that there is a. On, you can't put into words but there's a shared connection with anyone who loses their wife that like it's just something that um is an experience that is an, an inseparable bond and that it's an experience that monk can never describe to anyone so when he meets someone else that also has that same experience he can relate to them in a way that he can with anyone else so
1: right that, and, yeah. okay is, is it is it me or was he playing was he playing that same song on his instrument outside
0: i didn't notice that but he, he very well might have been
1: okay all right
0: um Monk then takes Samuel into the police, of, police office. Um, and uh, Natalie offers him coffee and says, uh, "Do you like coffee?" He says, "Yes." And then Natalie says, "Oh, then you're not gonna like the... or is it? Then you're not gonna like this?" Um, which Samuel okay, finds I, very, very funny.
1: Yeah, I, I, I missed it. Was it like a funny joke? I don't it know. was a
0: pretty funny joke. It was like it was. She basically said like so uh, Samuel, do you uh, do you drink coffee? Um, and, uh, he says, yes, I love coffee. He's like, well, you're not gonna like this. You know, give him the coffee.
1: Ah, okay, okay, gotcha. Okay.
0: And, uh, okay. he thinks it's very, very funny and, you know, laughs a lot at it. It's a nice moment. Um, and then yes. they, Stoudmar gets some surveillance footage from after the accident down the road at a gas station. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I really like the moment where Samuel says, this wasn't an accident. Hitting her was an accident, but driving away, that was murder. Which I think is, you know, yeah. It's not too sanctimonious. It's not like he's not being unreasonable at any of this. I also think is good because I think a lot of times when you, whenever you bring a victim's family member, it can be like, Yes, I know that you really want this to get solved, but obviously there's a reason why victim's family members aren't in charge of investigations. But he's very reasonable and not, you know, expecting too much. Anyway, um, and they see the van, and sure enough, it's a van and it has a headlight missing.
1: Yeah, the headlight's missing, and um, and they've, I, th- I guess they've tried to look through uh, the last, uh, the surrounding 10 miles for mm. a van that matches that, and mm. they can't seem to find it. Um, so that's a problem. Um, mm. And in the middle of all this, our good friend Samuel uh, decides he wants to light one up again. He needs mm-hmm. his nerves calmed a little bit. Fair yep.
0: enough. And he says, you know what, don't worry, I, got, I know the procedure. I brought the smoking bag. Um Yep. And uh, Natalie then says he's trying to quit. He's down to two bags a day, which honestly uh, that's a good joke. That that just, that just is a good joke, and I you know yeah. I appreciate that she got her due.
1: Yes, respect Natalie's comedy forever. Yeah. And um, so
0: yeah, he thanks her for letting him laugh again, which is always nice.
1: Right, and um, and so Stott doesn't. He tells him at first that there's like no smoking there, but he says mm-hmm. that there is a non smoking section. Well, there you, mean Disher, a smoke,
0: you mean a smoking section.
1: Or sorry, a smoking section. And he tells Disher to take him there, to which Disher's like, I didn't know there was a smoking section. He's like, just take him to the conference room mm-hmm. and crack open the window. So, you know, yeah. he is a little bit empathetic as well, mm-hmm. even though some of what he says eventually, um, I'm just yeah. like, god damn.
0: Yeah. So, basically, Monk is, like, looking at these, trying to fiddle with the remote to look at the footage, but Stammer's like, why are you getting this guy's hopes up? You know that a two-week-old hit-and-run is a 1,000-to-1 odds of being solved. Um... And Summer makes a good point because um, it's clear that monk is not doing this because Monk actually thinks the case can be solved. the case does end up getting solved obviously but he's doing it for personal reasons not because he thinks that he actually can help him you know
1: right exactly and um, and we'll we'll touch on that a little bit later about when the lines start to blur a little mm. bit but essentially this is like the first kind of well not the first but it's like Stademeye admitting that he's Making a mistake also yeah. He's kind of letting it on, right? Like It's not so yeah. like obvious, but he's basically mm. like thinking to himself That he, Monk is just putting himself in his shoes essentially.
0: Yeah And so, you know, Summer points out that this Maria Fuentes case is fresh It's solvable um, You know, we gotta act now And Monk says, I can't help you He, he lost his wife And says about the guy in the van They ran Trudy over and kept on driving Now the thing I My one cool with this episode I think this happens a little too fast I don't think mm-hmm. that you have him say Trudy instead of Ansara until like Act three or four. The fact that it comes this quickly, yeah. I think, is a bit much.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: Well, I actually um, almost think that I almost think that you could end the episode with that. That like, because I think that the audience gets it. The audience doesn't need him to call Ansara Trudy to understand that the reason he's doing this is because he thinks he's thinking about Trudy. You know,
1: right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and so while while you know while they're going through that. Um, Monk notices something while he wants the picture mm. to go back. That basically, they come across that it looked like the driver at some point turned around. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Which, why would you turn around fleeing the scene? Like, mm-hmm. that would make no sense.
0: Yep. And so, in order to investigate this, they go to the gas station that the footage was from. And uh, they see some slackers. They're just chilling, drinking some beers uh, outside the gas station. Real, some real living, mi- near... Living the,
1: living, living the dream. Yep,
0: some real near-dwells. Um, yeah. And uh, they, ask, you know... I do like the bit where it's, uh, are you the cops? No, I used to be a police officer. It's a long story. Oh, I love stories. Well, I got what was called a psychological discharge. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Luckily,
1: uh, we get mercifully yeah. uh, spared from the rest of that story. And so, um, and- they, yeah, they
0: ask about the hit-and-run.
1: Yeah, they ask about the hit-and-run, and, run and um, you know, at first, they're, like, a little... I mean, they're obviously, like, fucked up in some way, so their memory needs to get jogged, jotted mm-hmm. a little bit, and uh, eventually, one of the guys does remember that uh, he was almost hit by a van, mm-hmm. um, and remarkably enough, that same van almost hit him later on, uh, mm-hmm. so clearly there was, like... It confirms a story about him passing by at some point and then reversing and coming back the other yes. way.
0: And... He, uh, the guy who almost got hit points out that the guy who was driving was hunched over and on his cell phone, which Monk realizes oh god, he, this is the reason he turned around because he was heading towards the tunnel and was on his cell phone.
1: Yeah, and he clearly that just implies that he didn't want the call interrupted. Yes. Uh, this was 2000 and whenever when you could still like get your stuff interrupted by a
0: I mean, I, depending on the tunnel, I don't know about I suppose if it's like an I don't over think, I, don't
1: think in, I don't think in San Francisco that's, that's going I'm thinking whenever
0: I think of a like, I know, like, the uh, the Holland Tunnel um, in New yeah. York, it gets interrupted. Okay, let me say this, because I think that this is interesting, and only one person I've ever said this to thinks it's interesting. The, the New York New York's main tunnel going into it is called the Holland Tunnel. Did you know that? Yes or no?
1: Yes. It doesn't matter.
0: Yes. Wouldn't you think yeah. that the reason it's called the Holland Tunnel is because New York was settled by the Dutch? Is that not the logical reason sure. you think that? No, it's because the, the guy who engineered its last name was Holland. I think that that's a fun fact, and everyone's like, I never would have assumed it was because of the Dutch. What the fuck are you talking about?
1: Like, am I crazy? Like, I feel like that's an interesting I mean, like, fact. Half, half the fucking streets in New York are, like, named after Dutch. Yeah? I know! You... Yeah, Because
0: n- people don't agree with the premise that you would assume it was named after Holland, which, of course you would! <laughs> Anyway, right. I'm glad that you agree with me, because I was like, that's fascinating to me, that this just so happens, that maybe, the guy who made maybe it. Maybe they
1: thought they named it after Holland Taylor or something, I don't Oh, know.
0: wow, yeah, I mean, if Sarah Paulson was the one in charge, um, but, uh, anyway, um, but also, yeah, the reason they named it after him, by the way, is because he, when they're almost, when they're building it, he basically got a heart and lung condition, because he was breathing, like, recycled air so much, uh, and mm-hmm. then he went away for, like, a couple weeks, like on, like, sick leave and died, and so before it was completed. So I don't, they normally wouldn't name it after the engineer, but, you know, if you die, you know, you gotta, they gotta honor you. Yeah. But, um, yeah. anyway, uh, so, uh, the, the slacker also points out that he thinks it was an exterminator van because it said poison on it, which makes you wonder, well, are you sure Brett Michaels wasn't driving?
1: I'm so fucking pissed that you said that. God damn it. That was definitely gonna be my joke. Uh, it's going to be, like, maybe some roadies were around. Uh, Brett Michaels and uh, Tommy Lee? Tommy Lee was no.
0: there, right? Tommy uh, Lee was in Motley Crue.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, true. Um, um, so, yeah. So, then, right after that, uh, we go to the laundromat. And yeah. this is uh, where your favorite scene takes place. This How? What's
0: your experience with laundromats?
1: Uh, none.
0: Yeah. So, I have when I have had to use laundromats in New York because... When I was in college, obviously they had laundry in the dorms. Um, mm-hmm. But the first two years, my my last years of college, um, and then when when I lived in New York, and then when I moved to Jersey, I had in unit laundry dryer, which is incredible for Jersey City. Shh, don't tell anyone. And then, but the last mm-hmm. year and a half, uh, I when I've lived back in New York, I had to use laundry. But what I always do is I uh, I don't have the time or the patience to actually use the coin operated stuff, so I just pay to get it done. I don't know if you if they offer that in L.A. I assume you do that.
1: No, they don't. Um, no. I, I mean, maybe they do here. I they do. No I mean, idea, they probably but... do
0: somewhere. I can't imagine everyone who lives in right, apartment.
1: right, right. But I was very shocked to see um, that the pricing is pretty reasonable. It's not that bad. So I think I would if I was in New York, I would definitely do that. Yeah, like, yeah,
0: like my place. I actually just picked up laundry today. It's like not, uh, ninety cents a pound of laundry, which is like you know. Cause so, so, like, I did, like, and also, I'm I'm very big procrastinator, so I'll accumulate, like, I had a big laundry bag, I accumulate, like, 20 pounds of laundry. Do I want to spend an entire Saturday having to do that in, like, seven loads? Or I could just drop it off on a Sunday and pick it up on a Monday, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, pay, like, however much money.
1: You know. Yeah, luckily, that's, like, not, like, a New York, it's not an L.A. thing, so. I love no, that. only thing
0: about New York is, though, there are literally two laundromats within a two-minute walk of me. So, it's just, like, it's not actually that big of an issue. Um. But anyway.
1: Well, no, but uh, still, the fact that you have to go somewhere to do that and like wait around and shit. Well,
0: yeah, I exactly. I don't have to do that because I pay for it, baby. Bah, 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 bah. Right, 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 right. Um. Right. Anyway, um, so they're split. He splits up the laundry by white, off white, off, off white. Then all the primary colors, and then left sock and right sock.
1: Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, yeah. Why not? And um, and Samuel says this is
0: not like what he's seen on American TV. Specifically,
1: correct, correct. Yeah, he's a he's a big lover of friends. How unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also asks um, how much his laundry usually costs, and Monk tells him two hundred bucks, which uh, it's not good. There's no way
0: that that costs that much. Was, there's just no way. There's just no way that that costs that much. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: There's no fucking chance.
0: No. Uh, but Monk says wanting to ask about friends with lisa Kudrow and Jennifer Aniston. Monk says we don't get African TV. Um, the thing that always is uh, weird about Monk is that it, it, I don't. I like the joke. But Monk knows that... It's not like Monk thinks he knows pop culture. So, like, I don't believe that he actually would think that... He wouldn't know what a show called Friends anyway. But anyway, um... So, uh, a woman comes... Maybe there's
1: the Cooper clan.
0: Maybe. Cooper clan. They'd probably do regular laundry on that. Um, and so, uh... The... Uh, another woman comes in and asks, Are you using all the machines? Yes. But they're empty. And, uh... You know, Samuel very nicely says this is the pre-wash cleansing cycle and then does the classic if you're gonna live here You should know our customs which woof is, Yeah, I'm
1: sure and, it, and he's telling this to a white woman, so you can imagine how well that would go
0: mm-hmm Yeah, um and they get flipped off um, Right, but uh
1: but That's not but what that, that means. It means that they're number one.
0: Oh, right. right, am sorry, sorry. I completely misunderstood. That's my bad um, But then Samuel makes a breakthrough about uh, what the truck actually said, that it's not an exterminator at all.
1: No, um, it didn't say poison. It said poison, a.k.a. fish.
0: In French. Did you take French in uh, school?
1: Yes, I did. And I'm wearing a striped shirt right now. So.
0: I did notice that. Yeah, you're dressed like a mime. Um, Bonjour. Uh, yes, yeah, so they go cut to... Um, well, then Bunk says he's going to pay. When we find him, he's going to pay for what he did to us. Uh, I mean you. Um, and... Yep. They we see a truck for a restaurant called La Pavon Bleu. Um, yep. Uh, the French are one of the few people left you can mock the accent of, and so I'm going to take advantage of that while well, I can. Um, La Pavon sure. Um They
1: deserve it. Um, nah, I don't know. Why?
0: Yeah, so Why I, I wouldn't say that? But I, you just can do it. Um,
1: fine. Uh, well, anyway, so they think they find uh, the van. It's right in front, and um, you know, uh, Samuel is very convinced that that's what it is, but Monk. Being the detective that he is, uh, mm. they want to make sure. Mm-hmm. So they're taking a look at where, or like at the the headlights, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and basically, Samuel's like, "Oh, this man is diabolical mm. because he didn't he didn't replace a broken headlight with a new headlight, he, re- he replaced it with an old one." So you know to throw off suspicion, which is a pretty genius idea.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you ask um, me. but they find in the grill of the car. A grain of rice, which would be from when Ansara was buying rice at the grocery store. And they need to put right. it they need to get it, bag it as evidence, and wouldn't you know it? Samuel has a bag on him, his smoking bag.
1: Yep. And um and uh you know, right when they're like going through that, uh this guy uh there's like a little scene that plays out in the loading mm-hmm. dock section and uh I guess the owner of the restaurant, Le Poison Bleu, a total asshole and he uh he fires this guy right in front of him and i guess i mean it's not important why he fired him i think i don't know what mistake he made but we just know that he chipped the ball he chipped the the ball yes
0: yeah um and so that's when uh samuel says okunye which apparently means he's the guy um
1: in nigerian
0: yes uh yeah. and so um monk is then we got to monk setting up flowers at the corner where ansara died um and stodmire pulls up and he's uh clearly worried about monk
1: yeah he's worried about monk and this is where he starts to get into like um he just reminds him that that ansara is not trudy and he you know thinks that he's fixated on solving the case out of frustration at a lack of progress in Trudy's case, um, which, you know, is probably true. Um, And not only that, but Monk has missed two appointments with Dr. Bell and he hasn't been eating, to which Monk only replies that he's not hungry or Mm -hmm. something like that.
0: Yeah. And uh, Monk's like, you know, we have a suspect, Kenneth Nichols, we're going to go undercover. And when Steinmeier asks if they have any evidence... They say he has a record of drunk driving, and they found rice on the van.
1: Yeah, and, I uh, and you know, Sotomayor rightfully points out that he owns a restaurant. Like, there's bound to be rice laying around somewhere. How and, that would get in your fucking headlight?
0: True. Great question. But also, there's rice all over town. rice ronis the San
1: Francisco tree! I did like that, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I love rice roni Anyways, uh, so then Sotomayor basically gets to brass tacks and he just says that he doesn't want this to happen again to monk um especially with someone that isn't trudy like Mm -hmm. he just he saw him at his worst when it happened he was paralyzed he was crippled like you know Mm -hmm. he was he was down bad as we've Mm -hmm. mentioned many many a times Mm -hmm.
0: yep and you know he tells him to think hard before he does anything stupid cut to monk and uh samuel are undercover washing dishes at the restaurant and uh, would you believe that they're spending a million years on just two pieces of silverware, and there are no available plates?
1: Yeah, you know uh, they're doing their best work. Um, I guess they're just as good of dishwashers as Monk was. I um, what was that other thing that he like? He he had a job for when he was undercover, and he was like, he's done incredibly multiple he's meticulous. Like, um, like, when he was incredibly meticulous. Oh, was it with the
0: chickens, with the uh, with the eggs? Yeah, on
1: the farm, on the farm, on the farm. Yeah. Like. yeah. Yeah, uh, so they're not—they're not—they're either really good at it or really bad at yeah. it. Depends on how you look at it.
0: And apparently, they like cubed potatoes are just supposed to peel. And as with everything, you know, uh, Samuel keeps saying it's American style. And then um, Kenneth comes over and says, "Oh, the, you know, the, these new dishwashers can't be uh, worse than any of those those two clowns." And sure enough, Samuel breaks a glass, and uh, I guess they will out of anger. Yeah and then uh where's kenneth gonna go because he's got a whole bottle of vodka in his hand
1: he's going to the bar
0: man this if guy you is need a me
1: if you yeah yeah drunk wow yeah. he's he's like if you need me i'll be at the bar but please don't need me uh my guy thankfully- is
0: straight up he owns this restaurant he doesn't
1: need he can get alcohol
0: at the bar whenever he wants but he needs it so readily that he walks around with vodka in his hands
1: I guarantee you this restaurant is not turning a profit just at the amount of booze he's going through.
0: No, I mean, I've watched enough Bar Rescue to know that bartenders drinking is the most – well, bar staff drinking is the most common reason that bars and restaurants lose money. Um, it's just uh, – Did I
1: know that?
0: I don't know if that's actually true, but on the thank show you it Thank
1: you, John Taffer. Is. It
0: definitely is true on the show. I don't know if it's actually true overall, but with bars – I mean, that and overpouring are the two big things because uh, – yeah, but just, you know, don't uh, – don't it's drink in Europe you're... though.
1: What? I don't know if you knew. I don't know if you knew this, but in Europe they have yeah. like little things that they put on the yeah. on the top of bottles that measure mm. your shots. You yeah, anymore than that. Yeah,
0: I know. I know they also do that in like uh, Utah because there's laws um, about. Uh,
1: famously Utah, just like Europe, for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, um, and also the thing is, I'll say this: as a bar goer, I have no problem with overpouring. <laughs> no, I have. I'm not, you Listen, know, there's
1: often two kinds of overpouring going on at a bar: the bartender mm. overpouring the shots, mm. and the patrons overpouring their emotions onto the poor bartenders. That
0: is true. Uh, yeah. i, I think, oh yes. There are times. There have been times where even I've gotten overpour, which is like, okay, this is too much. Like I, I, this is this is ridiculous. But anyway, um,
1: when you saw me on Sunday, that was a victim of overpouring.
0: That is true. Yeah, you were over. You were overserved. I, I forget who it was. I used to follow a guy on Twitter who, anytime he got drunk, he would just tweet, uh, "I." I hate this. I hate the bar I was at. They overserved me. <laughs> um, yeah, but right. anyway, um, and so, so while they're there, yeah, Samuel goes and looks at the schedule.
1: Yeah, and he notices that uh, there was a farmers market on the seventeenth. And what fucking street was the farmers market on? It was on Vinton. Vinton Street, who
0: And we uh, one of the workers points out that. Uh, Kenneth always goes there on Tues, every other Tuesday, to pick up produce and fish and stuff, if he's sober enough. Which, once again, how f- high functioning an alcoholic do you have to be that people just offhandedly, t- to new workers will say like, yeah, this guy's so fucking drunk. He only makes this run if he's if he, he could see straight.
1: I bet man. you every once in a while he'll uh, add an extra zero by accident when he's doing the accounting. That's probably. what I just I'm, cool I'm
0: just fascinated by people who are high-function alcoholics. It really just me fascin- like people who just live the life where like drunk all the time. I, I just I can't because I'm just so completely thoroughly incapacitated when I'm drunk. It's like I don't understand how people can live because there are people who do that who just like j- live their whole life with a above uh, legal BAC. Um, yeah,
1: man, that's that's, that's a lot. Um, it, yeah, but anyway, it's yeah, just fascinating. So yeah. So- so so yeah, like Samuel says that he was driving back from there, but Monk mm-hmm. tells him like they need proof still. Yeah, and uh, and then we get back to like another thing of mm-hmm. Monk basically you know mistaking mm-hmm. Ansara for Trudy, and it's mm-hmm. just like good yeah. yeah, He basically
0: tells Samuel that if you find out who it is, I'll help you kill him, which is a lot for a guy you met a couple of days ago. Um, right. Yeah, and so um, you know. Uh, she he's like Samuel says why would you do this you didn't know her he says of course I knew her we were married for seven years Wait, I think this is laying it on too thick I think the him saying Trudy should be the climax of it um yes but they then see John and Carolyn Buxton the people who own the house that Maria Fuentes was murdered in at the restaurant
1: yeah and so uh Monk you know uh he he, he goes into his undercover mode and mm-hmm. uh he walks up to them and you know before they can order um, he gives them he gives them some food straight up right off rip uh, he gives them some soup uh, mm-hmm. and apparently today soup and tiramisu are on the menu mm-hmm. um, yes. What kind of soup? I hope it's a nice cioppino. It looked like it looked like
0: some type of mushroom soup like a brown soup of some kind.
1: Okay um, Well at La Poison Bleu, you shouldn't mm. be having anything brown
0: uh, Why because the blue?
1: Nah, I'm just being an idiot, yeah.
0: Okay, good. Just want to make sure I didn't, wasn't missing cause I, I didn't take French. I didn't think that, well, that Poison Bleu meant anything. Anyway. Um, but also, before this, he does notice that he sees someone making a phone call, or picking up a phone, and he realizes, oh, the reason the maid took off her earring is because she was on the phone, which um, feels like an unnecessary step. I feel like you speak, talk on a phone with earrings in, but I don't wear earrings, so I couldn't tell you. Um, and so... Yeah. Uh, and so, he's talking to the Buxtons, and... Um, you know, they, uh... He's, like, basically being way too obvious. Like, oh, you are you know, your friend's up with my employer, and I'm sorry to hear about the housekeeper, et etc., etc., etc. But they immediately recognize him, almost.
1: Yeah, they recognize him as have, having been on the scene. And, you know, he mentions that, and this is probably my favorite joke, uh, mm-hmm. he says that... Um, That he moonlights, Uh, Hmm. he you know he helps out the police during the day, uh, and at night he's a server. Uh, Well, because he says to
0: to protect and serve. During the day I protect, and at night I serve.
1: Right, and they're like, well, isn't it the daytime? And I forgot what he says about that.
0: He doesn't say anything. He just moves on and says that uh, he points out that you said that you found your cell phone because you forgot it. It was lying on the kitchen counter, right? Um, And uh, yes. And this is where
1: we find out that he that he had left his... Uh, he had forgotten his cell phone before leaving to Barbados. No, we learned that at the
0: scene. We, le- we learned that at the scene.
1: Oh, but he admits it here. Okay. No, he like he just
0: confirms yeah. it. He's basically Monk's putting it together. Yeah. Um, okay. And then he asks him, does Kenneth Nichols have your phone number? And he says, yeah. He t- I talked to him uh, after... Well, the wife says he talks to him at basically after every baseball game, um, which is there 162 of those. So that's a lot. Um,
1: and then Monk yeah, walks away
0: before giving the wine list. And uh, then Monk goes back and tells Samuel that he has big news.
1: Yeah, he uh, he can prove that that uh, that Kenneth killed somebody, uh, killed Mrs. Fuentes, mm-hmm. um, and and that in turn I think will lead to finding out who killed Ansara. Mm-hmm. Uh But they need his, they need his phone records, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to prove this. And yeah. uh, unfortunately for them, your good friend Kenneth Nichols. Uh, You know, it's it. He doesn't work. This isn't a Popeyes, Mm. but he's got the biscuit on him.
0: He does, Um, and and it's break time. It is. He yep. And then he ties up, uh, Monk and Samuel in the back of the van with fish, and Monk is can't stop crying about the smell. To which Samuel says, "Sometimes you're like a big crying infant."
1: Yes, um, and you know he is absolutely (laughs) correct, and um, and. You know, that's when he asks him basically that—or he tells him that—he tells him—he gives him the what's—this is what happened. Yeah, he's like, Um, focus on something else. Yeah, yeah, focus on something else. So he gives him the this is what happened. And essentially what we are told is that Kenneth Nichols was driving that night. Mm -hmm. And he was calling—he was calling his boy Buxton, Mm -hmm. uh, not Byron— Mm -hmm. But as he left his cell phone there behind, Maria Fuentes answered the phone. And while he was on the phone with her, that's when he had happened to run over on Mm Sara. And um, like a fucking idiot, he, you know, he said this out loud that he hit somebody. And Mm -hmm. Maria obviously overheard everything. And she knew too much. So she had to go. Mm -hmm. And so that's why Kenneth had to keep her on the phone. He was pretending like he was going to give her first aid. Mm -hmm. So he that's why she cracked open the book and she was, you know, on the phone Talking to him And She was He was doing all this Just so he can drive over To their place mm-hmm. And you know Take care of her And sure enough Um As soon as he gets there Uh You know He clubs over the fucking head With a crowbar mm-hmm. And uh And that's why the The, the first aid book was open
0: mm-hmm. And you know After Samuel's kind of Crying you know When Sarah was a flower She was so young Um And uh Monk remarks that now uh, Kenneth's gonna kill them And um he's fine with that but Samuel says you know Trudy and Ansara would want us to go on they are here with us now I'm not going to give up and neither are you but Monk has one final lesson about America this is how we do things we cry a lot and we confuse our dead wife with other people's wives and then we give up
1: yeah in a rare uh, moment of self-awareness uh, he you know goes over mm-hmm. exactly what just happened which is what makes the next thing that happens after that annoying mm-hmm. as fuck but whatever mm-hmm um so yeah that's when um you know samuel has an idea Mm -hmm. he uh he wants monk to reach into his pocket which very weird scene because like monk like he's just like can you reach into my pocket and no he says can you reach into my pants and monk
0: stares at him for uh, about 30 seconds
1: and says yeah as opposed to saying no which is like interesting well he Um, says he
0: because he's the reason he waits long is because he wants to not say yes but he he realizes they're going to die if they don't. So, you know, he eventually has to admit that, yes, he can.
1: That hasn't stopped him before from being a That's true. Idiot, that is that true. Things. Yeah. So, so, yeah, he... But, but what he wants him to reach for in his pocket is his cigarette lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's how they're going to break themselves free. Which I'm not sure if that's exactly how you would uh, approach... I mean, I guess you, you would have not, to just do it.
0: Yeah, because the ropes... If they're made out of, like, polyester, that wouldn't work. Um, I don't know. It depends.
1: Well, my thing would be like there were crates in there. There's got to be some loose nails hanging out some of those crates. Yeah, there had to be something going on besides. Yeah.
0: that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I honestly imagine they probably could get themselves to stick because they're not their legs aren't tied, so they probably could stand up and then like pull each other's knots. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um, and so he ends up burning it off, and then um, we see Kenneth. He uh pulls over, He's
1: sucking down a bottle.
0: Yeah, he is truly like he has a problem. Um, and so he opens up the van, and he gets pummeled by a bunch of dead fish, and then Monk and Samuel.
1: Yeah, and um, and so Samuel gets on top of him and starts beating the fuck out of him. Um, I kind of wish he would have beaten on him a little bit more, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, I agree. And by the way, the striking similarity behind Kenneth uh, Nichols and Steve Kerr is just fucking crazy to me. Like, yeah, I they do look, they look pretty the whole, similar. They look pretty similar, but anyway, so like. In the middle of him beating the shit out of him, or like just hitting him a couple times, uh, Samuel takes out a photo of Ansara and says, "Say her name. Say her name." And you know he relents and does it. And uh, and then Monk pulls out a photo of Trudy that I guess he had in his uh you know uniform. I mean no
0: shit he has a no he was in his wallet.
1: Oh it was in his wallet okay yeah uh and he tells her to say her name and mm-hmm. he uh, kind of you know understandably confused. It's like, I didn't even know who this person is, and uh, nonetheless, you know, he wants yeah. her name to be said. Yeah,
0: and then they share an embrace. And then uh, Samuel's leaving, and Natalie has a present comedy CDs of Richard Pryor, Monty Python, and uh, what is this? Let me read this closely. Bill Cosby?
1: Uh, yeah, I believe he's known in some circles as Pill Cosby, but yes, He is, that is
0: correct. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, Samuel's like, these people aren't as funny as Natalie Teagher.
1: Uh, you know, I'm not a fan of... I mean, I, don't, I haven't listened to old comedy, so I'm just gonna go ahead and say sure. I but. think... Yeah, I...
0: I don't think Bill Cosby is actually that funny, and I, that was before the whole thing. I just never found him that funny. Richard Pryor and Monty Python are actually very funny, um, but... Yeah,
1: I didn't think Richard Pryor... I mean, sorry, I didn't think Bill Cosby was ever funny. I always thought, like, whenever they made fun of Bill Cosby on The Simpsons, that mm-hmm. shit was super hilarious to me. Yes.
0: Um, and, uh, this is goodbye, Monk says, but... There's no such thing, Samuel remarks, and says maybe you'll come someday come to Africa.
1: Yeah. Um and you know Monk kind of uh says, "Well, maybe maybe you'll just come back to San Francisco." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like why wouldn't you want to come back to the city that your wife died in? Absolutely right.
0: of course. Exactly. Um and uh Monk wants to know what yeah. is it like um knowing.
1: Yeah. And uh, and Samuel tells him that knowing is everything, and uh, that his time will come, and not to give up. Mm -hmm. And Monk replies with, never.
0: And he gives him the flute as a present, and he says to him, no man is a greater friend than Adrian Monk, to which Monk responds, no man is a greater friend than Samuel Wangaya." which, man, just really, there's really powerful stuff. These people met like six days ago, but you were like, the bond, man, like that's a real, that's real shit. Um, and the episode ends. Yes. What do you give this episode yes. out of 10?
1: Um, I give it an 8.5.
0: I give it an 8. Um, I, uh, I think that the emotional stuff works really well for me. I think that the stuff in the restaurant, in the laundromat, kind of stopped the episode cold for me. Um, I wish that they didn't focus so much on that. I just never really like when Monk was undercover for long periods of time. Because I just don't ever believe it. Like, it, it, it never feels like... I never believe that that's the best way for them to actually solve anything. <laughs> um... But, uh, I think this episode's really good for what it is, and I think that the the scenes with the, just the two of them talking, honestly, are some of the best scenes where Monk actually remarks about what it's like to, you know, have such a tragic thing happen to him.
1: But... I think, honestly, the yeah. scene that did it for me was, uh, was just, like, they are putting their hands on each other's shoulders, just, like, in mm-hmm. silence. I, I think it yeah. was just, like...
0: It's, honestly, that's super ballsy, and I really respect that they went for it, because that really can come off as super corny if it's not played right, um... Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why, uh, there's, I forget who, what famous director said it, but directing is 70% casting. Because um, that's really the only reason the scene works is because it's two great actors, you know. Um, and then, of course, yeah. David Ayer got this great actor out of Wally Ekinoy Agbaje to be a ke- killer crocodile from Louisiana who his only wish in prison was to get BET on his TV. Never forget that that is what Killer Croc's wish is from prison after he saves the world. He just wants BET. That was a thing that was in a movie that was broadcast on screens across the world that the one black character actually one of two black characters, but the one who was like very coded black specifically just wants BET in his prison. That was a thing that happened. Alright.
1: Yeah, unfortunately.
0: You can follow the show at Strictly Monkey and Ruby I'll follow you.
1: You could follow me at Andre Barrera.
0: And you can follow me at the Jerry Christie Pizza where you subscribe, uh, tell your friends about the show. Um, and Andre I Told you that it was gonna be up in there. I can't do Thursday, so this is gonna be the last episode of the week. Um, okay. Unfortunately, things are just uh, too crazy. With uh, I got to squeeze in some stuff. Um, also, now my flight's probably gonna get delayed because it's pouring rain here on Wednesday night. And so, you know, it's a uh, the thing they don't tell you about flying home to surprise your mom for her birthday is that um, it uh, it's lo- can be a logistical nightmare because like you can't coordinate stuff with the person that you're surprising. <laughs> um, but. Uh, Anyway, um, we'll talk to you guys next week as we talk about Mr. Monk and the UFO.
1: Um, Let's get monkey. Let's just be simple.